Good morning. In today's headlines, latest updates in the Israel-Hamas war. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin arrives in Tel Aviv to meet with senior government officials. As airstrikes and the siege of Gaza continue, Israeli tanks and troops are massing near the border. Anticipation of an offensive builds as Israel issues a 24-hour evacuation order. The House speakership back in question as the GOP nominee drops out. Hear what House Majority Leader Steve Scalise had to say about the situation in his party. Americans still missing in Israel. A former FBI elite hostage rescuer discusses what it takes to bring people home. And thousands of Americans still stranded. What's the plan to get them home? The Hamas terrorist group has declared today as a day of global general mobilization. Nations around the world are tightening up their security. The European Commission has launched an investigation into Elon Musk's social media platform X. The host of NTD Business gives us the latest. Good morning. Welcome to NTD. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning, everyone. I'm Evelyn Lee. Today is Friday, October 13th. Yes, and now the UN says that Israel is ordering 1.1 million people to evacuate northern Gaza. Right, but it's not that easy, right? The UN also says that that type of evacuation is actually close to impossible. Yeah, and the Palestinian Red Crescent Society is asking for global help right now. They want to prevent a humanitarian catastrophe, saying there's no safe place to evacuate to. And we're staying in Israel for our top news. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin arrived in Israel today. He's expected to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu, Minister of Defense Yoav Gallant, and the Israeli War Cabinet. Defense officials with Austin said he wants to underscore the United States' unwavering support for Israel, along with its commitment to making sure the country has what it needs to defend itself. Austin will get to see firsthand some of the U.S. weapons and security assistance provided by Washington this week. He said yesterday the U.S. is working urgently to supply Israel munitions and Iron Dome interceptors. More are expected to arrive today. Austin says the U.S. is providing intelligence and helping plan. That includes giving advice on the hostage situation. Chartered evacuation flights announced by the White House are expected to start today for Americans that want to leave Israel. Secretary Austin is expected to give a news conference very soon. But first, Israel's military has directed residents in Gaza City to evacuate southern Gaza by Saturday. United Nations officials in Gaza say Israel's military informed them late last night, just before midnight local time. The Hamas terrorist media office reacted by urging citizens to ignore the relocation warning, labeling it false propaganda. As Israeli airstrikes and its siege of Gaza continue, 300,000 Israeli troops are preparing near the border for a potential ground assault. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Israel's 24-hour warning and the response to it. Gaza City. Israel Defense Forces spokesperson Jonathan Kanrikas Friday morning said the IDF is taking humanitarian steps to minimize civilian casualties as the war unfolds. Civilians of Gaza City, evacuate south for your own safety and the safety of your families and distance yourself from Hamas terrorists who are using you as human shields. The message sent in Arabic to the local population in Gaza City set a deadline for Saturday. Conrika says significant combat operations there are ongoing. 
and we are preparing for future and the continuance of our combat operations and out of an understanding that there are civilians here whom are not our enemy and we do not want to target them. We are asking them to evacuate so that we will be able to continue to strike military targets belonging to Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Gaza's Hamas terrorist rulers responded to the relocation warning by calling on Palestinians to remain in their homes and stand firm. He labeled the evacuation notice as an attempt to broadcast fake propaganda aimed at sowing confusion and harming internal cohesion. United Nations Secretary General Spokesperson Stefan Dujaric responded to Israel's warning, asking them to cancel it. He said in his statement the UN considers it impossible for such a movement to take place without devastating humanitarian consequences and that it could transform what is already a tragedy into a calamitous situation. Dujaric noted 1.1 million Palestinians, nearly half of Gaza's population would be affected, and that includes UN staff and those sheltered in UN schools, health centers and clinics. Israel's UN ambassador Gilad Erdan rebuked the UN response, calling it shameful and a disgrace. He says the UN has turned a blind eye to the arming of Hamas and its use of civilian populations and infrastructure, and that it would be better for the UN to focus on returning hostages, condemning Hamas, and supporting Israel's right to defend itself. Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Here for an update on the crisis in Israel is Alex Trayman, CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of Jewish News Syndicate. Alex, it's great to have you with us this morning. Thank you for having me. So what's the situation on the ground right now at the Gaza border? Well, you know, we're having crisis on both sides of the border in the last hour. There's been a large rocket salvo uh, into the city of Ashkelon and the city of Sderot. Uh, as many as 150 rockets fired on Israeli population centers. And at the same time, on the other side of the border, uh, the Israeli Air Force is continuing its massive barrage of Hamas targets in the northern Gaza Strip. Can you compare and contrast the attacks that we're seeing here, those of the terrorists and then those of the IDF? Oh, absolutely. There's a very clear uh, con contrast that the Hamas terrorists on Saturday specifically targeted uh, civilian populations uh, without any kind of military target whatsoever. They went into the homes of sleeping families, uh, brutally murdering, burning, beheading women, children. Uh, they brutally uh, attacked a, a music festival, killing over 260 people there. There was, wasn't a, a soldier or a police officer there to be found. Uh, by contrast, the, the IDF is targeting uh, specific targets that it generates uh, where, in which Hamas infrastructure or leadership is based, uh, and they have distributed leaflets to the entire population of the area, telling them to leave, uh, announcing in advance that the bombings are going to take place. Yeah, the IDF has said that Hamas terrorists use staging grounds near schools and medical clinics as well as UN buildings. There are about 360,000 reservists that have been called up. Where is Israel sending the bulk of them? Is it to the north or near Gaza? Well, they're split. Uh, Israel has to be prepared for the opening of a, of a multi-front conflict. And so many of the troops and potentially even more of the troops are along the northern border right now in case uh, Hezbollah decides to get involved. Uh, but there are over 100,000 troops around the Gaza border right now, and they are preparing for what uh, appears to be an imminent uh, ground incursion uh, following whatever bombings are going to take place after this 24-hour grace period that uh, the IDF is giving to civilians and, and residents living in Gaza. What would this ground incursion look like? 
Well, nobody's really saying what that would look like yet. The IDF has not even announced that it's going to specifically do a ground incursion. What the goals would be uh, are to completely demilitarize Hamas, uh, to take out all of Hamas's leadership, to take out all of their infrastructure, to make sure that they have neither the military capacity nor the motivation to carry out an attack like they did on Saturday again for several years. Right. In the past, there have been attacks on Hamas, but this seems to be a little bit different with complete eradication as the goal, would you say? Exactly. Uh, you know, for a long time, we've Israel's been receiving uh, missile attacks and attempts to penetrate the border. Uh, and there's been this uh, sort of cycle of violence, as it's called, where Israel retaliates and tries to restore deterrence. But what became very clear on Saturday is that there is no deterrence and that Hamas is not going to stop as long as they have uh, the ability to continue to arm themselves. Each time the Israeli uh, military has, has gone in over the years, uh, Hamas has simply rearmed uh, even further uh, for the next round. And, and the, you know, it, it's gone too far for the Israelis, and they, they need to make sure right now. They've seen scenes that remind of the Holocaust. You know, the main slogan surrounding the Holocaust is never again. Uh, and the Israeli military now wants to make sure that there is a never again of what happened on Saturday morning, and they're going to completely uh, wipe out and dismantle Hamas. Given the supposed intelligence failure here, do you think this recent attack will be Netanyahu's Golda Meir moment in his career? Oh, many people are, are saying that, and uh, the Israeli public is very, very angry. The number one, uh, the number one responsibility of, of any Israeli government is to keep the people safe. It's very clear that there were intelligence failures here. Uh, there were security failures uh, once the border was breached. It took many hours for uh, the military to engage, and and as a result, over 13 people have died on, on Netanyahu's watch. Uh, but it's not time yet uh, for the uh, mea culpa to take place. Uh, right now, Israel's at war, and I'm certain that in the weeks following, uh, that there will be a very serious investigation, and, and all those that are held responsible will, will be held to account. Yeah, so back in 2021, there was a poll that showed about 50% of Palestinians believe that Hamas was the most deserving of their representation. So what do you think is the path forward that would bring the most benefit and security to the Palestinian people? Well, you actually see uh, across the various areas where Palestinian Arabs live uh, that when Israel is in control, that they live a safer life, not just Israelis, but also Palestinians. In Gaza, uh, where, where Israel withdrew over 21 communities and 8,500 citizens, that area was quickly overrun by Hamas. And if people call Gaza an open-air prison, it's because Hamas runs it. In Judea and Samaria, the Israeli military goes in and out, and it and they squash uh, hornet nets of terror when they arise, and they actually keep life safer uh, for the Palestinians that live there by not allowing the massive buildup of weapons that you saw in Gaza. So. Actually, Israelis are recognizing that the withdrawal was a huge mistake and that Israeli presence, military presence in, in any area where Palestinians live is essential for the security, not only of the Israelis, but also for the Palestinians that live there. Of course, it's a heart-wrenching time. What's the mood like in Israel right now? Very tense. Uh, Israelis have been in and out of uh, bomb shelters. You know, we, we heard today uh, the calls for a day of rage. You, you heard mosques uh, blasting uh, messages to incitement this morning. I heard it outside my window uh, in Jerusalem. Uh, and so there's a very, very tense atmosphere. There's also a tremendous tension because every Israeli has a son 
a daughter, a father, a husband, a best friend that is now uh, set to enter into what is likely to be a highly booby-trapped urban fighting environment. And every Israeli, they value the lives of their soldiers so much, they don't want to see even one fall. Uh, and so there, there's a great uh, tension and anticipation about what could happen uh, once Israeli soldiers enter Gaza. So what's the next immediate step for Israel right now? Well, Israel has, has given the notices uh, that they are going to start bombing in, in northern Gaza, and they've already been bombing, but I think you can already expect that the uh, barrages uh, from the air are going to be even heavier. Uh, I think they will give the Gazan civilians uh, time to move south to heed the warnings, and uh, there's a very strong possibility that in the coming uh, 48 hours that a ground incursion into the northern Gaza Strip could be launched. Well, Alex Trayman, CEO and Jerusalem Bureau Chief of Jewish News Syndicate, I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. The number of Americans killed in Israel during the Hamas terror attacks has now risen to 27. Entity's Daniel Monahan has the latest on what the U.S. is planning for hostage rescue and getting those stranded home. Fourteen Americans are still unaccounted for. It is unknown how many may be held as hostages. White House National Security Spokesman John Kirby said the U.S. is taking its responsibility to get Americans held overseas back with their families seriously. We have in the past entered into negotiations uh, to do exactly that, um, and we have not foreclosed any option right now in terms of these particular hostages. Former FBI hostage rescuer Greg Schaefer says there are very few organizations or units that are actually skilled at rescuing hostages. In the United States, you only have three. You have the Delta Force, you have SEAL Team 6, and you have the FBI's hostage rescue team. Uh, your basic SWAT teams and even most of your SEAL teams cannot effectively uh, do hostage rescue. It requires surgical shooting. That's very difficult against skills at the master. <laughs> Yes. Schaefer says wartime hostage rescue is uniquely difficult, requiring a lot of intelligence. You know, where the hostages are being held, how they're being held. You know, what's the, uh, the opposing force, what's the strength of them, what kind of weapons are they carrying? Are the hostages booby-trapped? Are the doors booby-trapped with explosives? You know, what's the inside of the building look like that you're about to hit? Thousands of Americans are also stranded in Israel. Many major airlines have ceased operations from Israel's lone international airport. Florida Governor Ron DeSantis has responded with an executive order to rescue Floridians stuck in Israel. DeSantis wrote on X, To the many Floridians who are stuck in Israel trying to get home, help is on the way. The order provides for logistical rescue and evacuation operations. It also calls for supporting Israel in its war against the Hamas terror group. DeSantis said people are going to start attacking Israel as time goes on, speaking on Fox News. It's important that America plants that flag in the ground, uh, that we're with them through thick and thin on their right to defend themselves. The Biden administration has a plan of its own. Charter flights will transport those stranded to a nearby safe location, but not home to the United States. Travelers will have to pay the government money back, signing a promissory note prior to departure. Some, like conservative commentator Charlie Kirk, criticized the plan on X. Kirk called out the Biden administration for forcing those needing rescue from a war zone to pay the money back. He compared that with the administration, in his words, paying for food, housing, and psychosocial services for six million illegal immigrants. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. 
really hope they will get those people um, back safe. Yeah, and the United States is now readying its special forces. Right, the ones in Europe, for instance, they're being put on high alert now, too. Yeah, Haskin Rescue, that's a very serious situation. We're going to go to break now. The search for the next House Speaker has hit a roadblock with the GOP nominee dropping out. Hear what House Majority Leader Steve Scalise had to say about what's next for the Republican Party. The Hamas terrorist group has declared today as a day of global mobilization. Nations around the world have tightened up their security. Rallies organized by the Democratic Socialists of America have celebrated Hamas's actions. Who or what is spreading this sentiment across America? Find out when we come back. Good to have you back. Congressman Steve Scalise has dropped out of the House Speaker race. His decision sends the House into its 10th day without leadership during a critical time. Scalise announced his withdrawal to reporters yesterday. Take a look. I just share with my colleagues that I'm withdrawing my name as a candidate for the Speaker-designee. If you look at over the last few weeks, if you look at where our conference is, there's still work to be done. Uh, our conference still has to come together and is not there. Uh, there are still some people that have their own agendas. The number two House Republican from Louisiana had already secured his party's nomination for the job. And former U.S. President Donald Trump in a Thursday interview with Fox News Radio said he did not object to Scalise as speaker. Though populist hardliners in the GOP have appeared to favor Scalise's rival Jim Jordan. Still, House Republicans failed to resolve divisions in closed-door talks Thursday and were unable to secure the 217 votes necessary to install Scalise as Speaker. Republicans can afford no more than four defections as they control the House by a narrow 221 to 212 margin. Several Republicans earlier said they would stick with Jordan, who lost out in a secret ballot vote on Wednesday. Jordan had encouraged his supporters to vote for Scalise, according to a source who spoke on condition of anonymity. The White House weighed in on the scramble following Scalise's withdrawal. This is the House Republicans, as I've said over and over again. It is their process. The president doesn't have a vote. It is what we're seeing is certainly shambolic chaos that we're seeing over there on the other side of Pennsylvania Avenue, and they need to get their act together. There's a lot of work that needs to be done on behalf of the American people. The Republican infighting has left the chamber neither able to act to support Israel's war against Hamas nor to pass government spending bills before funding runs out on November 17th. Staying at the Capitol, last night over 150 members of Congress attended a bipartisan vigil on the Capitol steps. The event was to honor the innocent lives lost in Israel. Congresswoman Debbie Wasserman Schultz, who described herself as a Jew, a Zionist and a human being, spoke at the vigil. Take a look. When Israel and the United States need one another, it's moments like this where we step up. And it is actions that matter so much more. It is actions that matter so much more than words. The House of Representatives chaplain led attendees in prayer, followed by a moment of silence to remember the innocent victims of the Hamas attacks. The Hamas terrorist group has declared that today is a day of general mobilization and called for a global jihad to support Palestine. A former leader of the Hamas delivered a message in a recorded statement to Reuters earlier this week. 
The message from Khalid Mashal called for action from the Arab and Islamic world as well as worldwide. He called today the moment to join in the fight with Palestine and called on supporters to deliver a message of anger. Mashal emphasized that countries bordering Israel have a more significant duty because they are closer to Palestine. Robert Greenway of the Heritage Foundation said it is an unambiguous global call to arms. It will be heated. There will be blood. Amid that call for mobilization, major cities, including New York, are ramping up security measures today. This comes as protests are planned over the Israel-Hamas war. New York authorities on Thursday addressed concerns over public safety as pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian protesters stage rallies. They say they are aware of social media posts by radical groups calling for, quote, a day of global rage on Friday in support of the Palestinian cause. We want to be clear that there are currently no credible or specific threats against our city, but we must remain vigilant. We have directed the NYPD to deploy additional resources to our schools and houses of worship to ensure that New Yorkers are safe. The NYPD is also stepping up patrols in key neighborhoods. On the state level, Governor Kathy Hoko said they fully activated New York State Police, among other agencies. We have the resources of the New York National Guard and our joint task force Empire Shield ready to be activated. The National Guard is already directed to patrol key transportation hubs. We've been in contact with the MTA, the Port Authority, to ensure that they also have heightened their security measures. Our hate crime task force is on high alert and will help investigate disturbing incidents as necessary. In Washington, D.C., Capitol Police and the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms are also ramping up security in preparation for the so-called Global Day of Rage. They say they are deploying additional officers to the Capitol, and parts of the Capitol will be accessible only to members of Congress, staff, and authorized visitors. And in Los Angeles, police also say they are unaware of any specific threats, but will increase police presence in Jewish and Muslim communities. Now let's take a look at how colleges have been affected by the recent mass protests following last Saturday's massacre by Hamas. Colleges across the U.S. saw student protests on both sides, with tensions rising among the protesters. Many shouted hateful chants and slurs. Entities Cost MS has more updates on the events. Hundreds of students faced each other in protests at Columbia University in New York City on Thursday in dueling pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian demonstrations. Hamas supporters held up signs that read, Free Palestine, and to exist is to resist, many wearing face masks to conceal their identities. About 100 feet away, students backing Israel silently held up posters with the faces of Israeli hostages taken by Hamas. University officials blocked public access to the New York City campus as a safety measure. Dozens also protested in front of Brooklyn College in support of Palestinians. Today, I feel like the CUNY, they need to be more responsible. They need to speak up for Palestine. They, they need to condemn what Israel is doing. It's not okay. I was passing by and I saw that there were Jewish people who were on the side screaming that it's okay for the Jews to be murdered. And, and it's breaking my heart because it's like, how can you say, how do you think it's okay for, for murder? On the both sides, I can see where they're both coming from, but on the other hand, you can see 
where both sides are negatively affecting one another. So, it's, like I said, it's all context. Statements by student groups supporting Palestinians have prompted outrage and fear among Jews. Things are getting very scary over here, and we're starting to feel a little bit of how they feel every single day over there, threatened. There have been reports of harassment and assaults on both sides. On Monday, a controversy at Harvard University was one of the first to make headlines. When several prominent alumni lambasted a joint student group statement holding Israel entirely responsible for the terrorist attacks. The university president later clarified that the groups did not represent the school's position. Meanwhile, on Thursday, a professor at the University of Virginia offered extra credit to students who attended a discussion to stand in solidarity with Palestinians resisting occupation. Students were also encouraged to write a 250-word reflection that ties the event to a course reading, sparking concerns with a local attorney general. Tensions at the campuses could likely increase in the coming days after Israel has vowed to annihilate Hamas in retribution for the deadliest attack by the terrorist group in Israeli history. The recent conflict between Israel and Palestine has claimed nearly 3,000 lives on both sides so far. Cost MNS, NTD News. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin is holding a news conference right now with Israel's Minister of Defense, Yoav Gallant. Defense officials with Austin said he wants to underscore the United States' unwavering support for Israel, along with its commitment to making sure the country has what it needs to defend itself. We're going to see if we have some live feed for you here right now. Looks like we're not picking up the audio, but we will try to return to that if we can. Yes, and for now, let's head to Jane Wuerl in the UK first for updates on how the, how the war affects other nations. Morning, Evelyn and Kevin. Syrian state media reported that Israeli airstrikes yesterday hit the international airports of the Syrian capital Damascus and the northern city of Aleppo, putting them out of service. The Israeli military declined to comment. These would be the first Israeli strikes on Syria since Hamas carried out its attacks in southern Israel. Governments around the world continue to evacuate their citizens from Israel. More than 200 Nepali nationals who were evacuated from Israel returned home this morning. The government also worked to bring back the bodies of 10 Nepali students killed in the attack by Hamas. A special relief flight carrying over 300 French nationals landed in Paris last night. Staying in France, French police used tear gas and water cannons to break up a rally in support of the Palestinian people in Paris yesterday. Authorities had earlier banned such protests, saying they were likely to generate disturbances to public order. Meanwhile, some Jewish schools in several European countries are closed today after Hamas called on its supporters to hold a day of rage. British family members of Israelis taken hostage by the terrorist group Hamas have described the attack on Israel as a second holocaust. They say their parents in their 70s and 80s have sought peace and coexistence their whole lives, but that their lives have now been shattered. Noam Sagi and Sharon Lifshitz say they have yet to receive an update from the British or Israeli government on their whereabouts. Australian police are considering applying special stop and search powers 
for the first time in almost two decades for people attending a pro-Palestinian rally on Sunday. It would allow officers to search and demand identities without calls of those attending the rally in Sydney. Police expect more than 400 people to attend the rally in Sydney's Hyde Park. On Monday, some people chanted, gas the Jews. Well, that's all from me. Back to you both. Thank you, Jane. Rallies organized by the Democratic Socialists of America have celebrated Hamas's actions. Why do some Americans think this way? To dive into it, we hear from Alex Newman, an award-winning international journalist and the president of Liberty Sentinel Media. In the past week, we've seen a rise in pro-Palestinian protests across America, inciting hatred towards the Jewish population. Alex Newman, an international journalist, blames the movement on communism. Uh, the communists had a plan to radicalize and, and further inflame Islamic hatred toward Jews, toward Americans. Uh, in fact, Ion Pacepa, in his book, he quotes uh, Yuri Andropov, the head of the KGB, as explaining that a billion Muslims could inflict far more damage on the United States and uh, its allies than just the communists could alone. He says that one problem lies in the American education system. Some schools have books full of hatred and textbooks promoting anti-Semitism. We're seeing uh, textbooks that portray Israel as, uh, as the founder of the Black Lives Matter, Patrice Cullors put it, an imperialist project that needs to be wiped off the map. And of course, uh, this stuff is all um, uh, vile, it's hateful, but it is infecting the minds of young people, not just across the Arab world, but also even here in the United States. This infection, as Newman says, has been spreading across major college campuses in America. I think what happened at Harvard, and this is happening at other major universities all across America, is just the tip of the iceberg. We have a, a growing fervor that aims to dismantle not just Israel, but also the United States. Newman says the answer to the problem lies within our southern border. He says the flow of illegal immigrants could potentially be catastrophic for the United States. This is potentially a catastrophe in the making, and I do believe it is an existential threat to our country. Somewhere on the order of six to eight million illegal immigrants have flowed through that border that we know of just over the last few years of the Biden administration. So step one is stop the bleeding, get that border under control immediately. Very interesting background there, but I hope everybody stays safe. Yes, and it kind of goes back to what we were talking about yesterday, this Red-Green Alliance and how these protests are being furthered by the Democratic Socialists exactly. in America. And like mentioned, that many of the Islam, well, many of the leaders now, um, they were Soviet trained, and these are people that were trying back then to destroy the Muslim face, faith. So um, this is something to keep in mind as well. Yes, and we're going to head to break. Iran's foreign minister met with the leader of the terrorist group Hezbollah on his visit to Lebanon. Find out what they discussed. The Jerusalem Post confirms that babies were decapitated in the Hamas terror attacks. NTD heard testimony from those assigned the difficult task to collecting the dead. What is Hamas fighting for and what are they hoping to achieve? We bring in an expert on terrorism to shed some light on their motives in a moment. Good to have you back. We just heard from witnesses on the ground about the horrifying killings of Hamas on the civilians. Unimaginable. I also saw those pictures of some burned babies. 
um, really no words for that. But who is Hamas and what drives them? Here to answer these questions is Christopher Alexander. He's a former member of the Army Information Operation. Good morning. It's really good to have you this morning. Now, before um, to start off, can we just quickly get some background on the Hamas and how did they win over Gaza? Sure. So, so Hamas is a um, an offshoot of the the PLO, and what happened was as the PLO. Um, considered a two-state solution, and remember they were Arab nationalist rather than more um, religious focused. Hamas sort of sprung out of the PLO. Um, they uh, adhered to a very, very um, uh, conservative form of Islam, um, one that um, is, is, is much more comfortable with violence than almost any other form of, of Islam on the earth. And um, they sort of emerged as a leader because they were so effective at at kind of pulling on the um, the religious heartstrings of the populace and have kind of subsumed um, the PLO um, over over time. Hmm. And now, moving on, fast forward to now, why do you think it was now that we saw this very organized and unprecedented coordinated attack? Well, it's, it's sort of alarming, and I was doing a little bit of research on this, but um, since, uh, according to the Belfour Center at Harvard, since 1993, half of all terror campaigns have succeeded. Um, so you use terrorism because it works, uh, uh, unfortunately. Um, and so in this case, what, what Hamas does is Hamas um, looks for weakness um, in Israel. They look for divisiveness, they look for opportunities to isolate Israel from the international community. And when that happens, that's when they usually um, will um, start a new a new campaign. So you're saying that it was the the divide inside Israel this time that they really saw as the main as the weakness, and that was the main reason they saw basically a leak or a, ch a chance to attack. It certainly, is a factor. I, I, I think they also and another reason you uh, you know execute a terror campaign is to disrupt. Uh, political processes, and of course, the Abraham Accords um, had uh, Saudi Arabia had a few of the of the other Arab states mm -hmm. moving closer to Israel, and um, uh, you know Hamas wants to drive a wedge between um, Arab support and uh, the Arabs and the Israelis outside of Palestine, or what the, the, what they want to be the Palestinian state, I should say. Mm -hmm. So, what is it exactly now? What is this fight for? When do they? consider it one, basically. So, um, you know, in, in, in the Western world, we prosecute wars um, going back to ancient Greece by arriving on a battlefield, having some pretty pretty set rules, and then um, armies clash, and then diplomats negotiate. And um, in um, other parts of the world, particularly in the Middle East, there was no ability to field an army to fight a Western power. So they looked at other other tactics and other approaches, and so you have what's called asymmetric warfare. And so what the what the um, what Hamas is doing is they're fighting on this unfair battlefield, um, physically to them, but then also politically and legally for for Israel and its supporters. So in other words, um, what they do is they launch some attack, and then they're able to say, look, the the government can't protect you. Look, the government's doing a bad job. And so, in or, or, or derivations of that. And in this case specifically, what Hamas wants is to use the population of Gaza as essentially you know, human shields 
and they want to go the Israelis into overreacting so that the Arab world begins to support them again to ship support away from Israel. Wow, uh, I see. Now, talking about that, let's let's look at how they're being viewed then by the Palestinians inside Gaza, because as you said, it's an unfair battlefield. Um, it's devastating for the Palestinians living there, but there are polls uh, by the Palestinian Center for Policy and Survey Research that indicate that they are widely supported, the Hamas, I mean by that. Um, at the same time, though, they're a terrorist organization, obviously, so what do you make of this? Well, this was an issue we dealt with when I was in Iraq, that we would be fighting a, a terror group one day, and then we would discover that they had clinics providing medical assistance uh, two blocks away from where we were fighting um, that were maybe running even while, while, while operations were occurring. So um, they're very, very sophisticated at uh, this kind of hearts and minds sides of things, because that's the side they've had to play on because they couldn't uh, a meaningful army. So on the one hand, there is incredible brutality, and on the other, they will do you know, what we'd consider civil military operations um, um, on the other side, provide different benefits for, for the populace. So, so they're really working on three fronts, a spiritual front, um, kind of an aid and relief front, and then a, a violent terror front. So it's, mm -hmm. it's sort of ironic uh, to, to a Westerner to look at it and see this kind of strange combination of brutality and humanitarian efforts. Yeah, it is really um, ironic and difficult to wrap our heads around. So thank you so much, Christopher Alexander, for giving us these insights. Thank you. And Israeli forces were deployed in Jerusalem today to cover all gates of the old city, a precautionary measure for Friday prayers. This as calls go out throughout the West Bank for protests against Israel's bombardment and the siege of Gaza Strip. Iran's foreign minister met with the leader of the Lebanese terrorist organization Hezbollah today. The Tehran-backed group has launched its own cross-border attacks on Israel. A local media outlet said the two discussed the war and the Hamas assault on Israel. Iran has denied any involvement but supports Hamas and has lauded the attacks. The Iranian foreign minister said yesterday Israel's actions against Palestinians would receive a response from Iran's allies and that Israel would bear the consequences. Yes, he also said Iran has asked Egypt, the United Nations and aid groups to allow it to send humanitarian aid to Gaza. The foreign minister is due in Syria later today, a day after Israeli airstrikes put the airports of Damascus and Aleppo out of service. The Jerusalem Post confirmed yesterday that babies were decapitated and set on fire during Hamas's assault on a kibbutz. NTD's Daniel Monahan has testimony from witnesses who collected bodies. And please be warned, this content is very graphic. Yes, there are photographs, the descriptions from the witnesses about the civilians murdered. They're really unimaginable, and it will be difficult to hear, but we felt it's important to include it in a reporting on the Hamas terrorist attacks. Photos of the murdered babies were shown to U.S. Secretary of State Antony Blinken and published by the Prime Minister's office on X. The CEO of Epoch Israel, Dor Levinter, spoke with Zaka Emergency Services personnel. Zaka is a unique unit that honors the dead and ensures a full Jewish burial for those who meet a sudden death. He described some of the horrors they encountered, how parents were forced to watch their babies burned alive. There is no other world, just slaughtered. But they tortured them before they died, watching their babies burned alive. 
The Epoch CEO says the Hamas terrorists invaded Israel with no human or political goals. They came there to butcher. They came there to rape. They came there to cut babies' heads off, to burn people alive. Levinter says claims that the Israeli army is trying to wipe out Gaza or wipe out the Palestinian people are a complete lie. You cannot stand and just watch evil without doing anything. You cannot. So the Israeli army just saying, and the Israeli leaders are saying, there is only one way to treat evil, and is to destroy it. That's it. With many bodies to go, the Zaka body recovery units still have a lot of work ahead of them. Levinter says he spoke with one of them about what keeps him going. His reply? Faith. Faith in God, in the Creator. And ensuring that each person, and even each part of a body collected, is treated as sacred and receives a proper burial. Daniel Monahan, NTD News. Watching and hearing the details of that is really hard. And I, I saw the full interview, listening to all of this, what the witnesses saw on, on the ground is just, it's heartbreaking. Yeah, and Israeli officials have yet to confirm that these babies were decapitated, but still, that is just a hor horrifying right. experience. It's not easy to hear, but, you know, I th we believe here it's crucial to include in our reporting, and you, caught, you can watch the full version of the interview online and on NTD News Today. Yeah, and this type of beheading, these, these things are indicative of terrorist actions, and that's a fundamental difference between efforts to disrupt another nation or peoples by terrorists versus a civilized army. Exactly. That, that think, goes by rules. Right, and I think this is something we always have to keep in mind, right? This is a terrorist organization that has no regard for human life, even for, as we just heard, um, you know, for the Palestinians living there. But we, let's... Um, Let's not linger on this that long. I think we can also um, shed a light on the heroic acts of the Israeli people that they do. Uh, a lot of the civilians are helping. Um, the community really is what keeps things going. And what we just heard, the Zaka, I think what they do is incredible. I heard about um, some uh, interviews and people talking about it that most people in the Zaka, or maybe even everyone, um, they're religious because they have a higher purpose and they that that's what keeps them going basically yes very remarkable and stay with us the European Union has launched an investigation into Elon Musk's social media platform X the host of entity business gives us the details when we come back Welcome back. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin and Israel's Minister of Defense Yoav Gallant is giving a joint press conference right now. Here is Secretary Lloyd Austin expressing the U.S. support. Has just witnessed a great evil. The deadliest attack on civilians in the history of the state of Israel and the bloodiest day in Jewish history since the end of the Holocaust. So make no mistake, the United States will make sure that Israel has what it needs to defend itself. And Israel has a right to protect its people. You know, in their many phone calls this week, President Biden has told Prime Minister Netanyahu that the United States 
would also respond swiftly and decisively to such a ma massive terrorist assault. And the President also underscored that democracies like ours are stronger and more secure when we uphold the laws of war. Terrorists like Hamas deliberately target civilians. But democracies don't. This is a time for resolve and not revenge, for purpose and not panic, and for security and not surrender. At President Biden's direction, we have moved urgently to respond to this crisis and to send, to send a strong message of deterrence. The USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group is now in the region led by the largest aircraft carrier in the world. We've augmented U.S. fighter aircraft squadrons in the Middle East, and the U.S. Department of Defense stands fully ready to deploy additional assets if necessary. As President Biden has said, for any country, for any group, or anyone thinking about trying to take advantage of this atrocity, to try to widen the conflict or to spill more blood, we have just one word, don't. The world is watching and so are we. And we aren't going anywhere. The European Commission has launched an investigation into Elon Musk's social media platform X. That's over its handling of content related to the Israel-Hamas war. Here to discuss is NTD business host Don Ma. Don, good morning. good morning. Why is the EU probing X? Yeah, uh, so this case is to uh, determine if the site uh, formerly known as Twitter is in, in compliance with the EU's new content rules. Uh, and these rules are called the Digital Services Act. So, of course, this is in light of uh, potential disinformation and harmful content found uh, to be spreading on the platform. Uh, Ex-CEO Linda Yacario actually said earlier yesterday that the platform had found and removed hundreds of Hamas-affiliated uh, accounts. So then the probe will cover X's policies regarding illegal content, as well as uh, complaint handling, risk assessment, and measures to actually mitigate those risks. And X ha has just a few days, October 18th, to uh, provide details on how its crisis response protocol is activated and how it functions. Uh, the, the company would be liable to fines if it is found guilty of these uh, DSA violations. So, Don, let's see. What, what, what is the status here? Because, I mean, X has been given, you know, it's been given lauded for its uh, ability to provide more free speech on the platform, but now it's slashed its content moderation over this, and now there's going to be obviously a lot of pushback to this harmful content being floated on that platform. Yeah, exactly. That that puts that's what the EU has been thinking. Um, that's why you know, in part, uh, it enacted uh, these Digital Services uh, Act rules, and uh, those rules were uh, put into effect last November. Um, and, and now it's taking action to see if X um, is in compliance with those rules, which is important. So let me let me just uh, give you a quick overview of what this uh, Digital Services Act is. Um, 
So th this is to you know, do more to tackle illegal content and risks to public safety. And it's not just uh, for X. Similar warnings were sent out to Meta and TikTok. Um, so the EU is eyeing those platforms as well. But, you know, so far the block has only launched formally an investigation into X and not the other platforms. But, you know, of course, this move, in my opinion, does put the pressure on TikTok and Meta to remove uh, illegal content and harmful content as well from the platforms to comply with this Digital Services Act. Um, so all three social media platforms, by the way, uh, X, TikTok, and Meta have seen a surge of false content and uh, about the Israel and Hamas conflict. So, it, you know, it's not just X here. Yeah, you got to get that content off of there. It's, just, yeah, it's sure. a balance, obviously. You know, you want to have people to be able to speak their mind, but anything hateful like that or that incites violence, it's not allowed. Yeah, I mean, that, that's obvious, and that's what the EU is doing. Well, thank you so much, Don Ma. I really appreciate your updates, as always. Uh, Don Ma, host of NTD Business. Yeah, always great being here with you guys. All right, yeah, I mean, yeah, like you say, there is this line, but it's it should be a, a very definitive line between the false information, hateful speech, and then, um, of course, free speech. Um, yeah, but... X has to answer quick. I mean, Wednesday, it's coming up. That's their deadline for their most pressing questions. And then by the end of October, they have the deadline for the rest of them. But social media and uh, false information, that's a really big issue, right? Or maybe, who knows, maybe we just, for me, as a to be responsible for myself, maybe I just don't really rely on getting my news from social media, right? Always question what you see. Yes, I mean, it does come with its advantages, being able to get first-hand accounts in real time, people taking videos on their phones, but you got to be careful and make sure that you're not ingesting anything that's false. Right, do you have the resources to double-check? And we're going to go to break. A couple who made it through the initial Hamas attack describes what they experienced. Hear their account coming up. Good to have you back. What is the war in Israel like for local residents? A couple from the town of Sterot, Sterot Israel, near the border with Gaza, shares their experience. It's hard for most of us to imagine a situation like what this couple went through when Hamas made their attack on Israel. It started early morning on a Jewish holiday. So we have a lot of family over. Uh, 6.30 in the morning, we get woken up by rocket fire. Uh, and we go into our safe room. Every house in Israel, or new houses at least like ours, have um, a safe room that's rocket proof and you shut your windows and everything very like atomized room. So we go inside, uh, not expecting this. We then turn on our phones and the TV. And um, unlike previous comics, we see there's a lot more rockets than usual. So we suspect something's not good here. Something's very different and b bad things are coming. And then within the next hour, we see videos of an armed terrorist uh, squad on a pickup truck with rifles, RPGs, headbands, clearly not uh, Israeli soldiers roaming around the street and the people that had filmed it saying, oh my God, Hamas terrorists are inside the city. They hid for hours unsure of exactly what was going on outside. The government was also slow to inform citizens since they too were surprised by the attacks. No instructions for the first few hours from any national authorities about what's going on. I think 
maybe four or five hours into all this, we get, we see on the Facebook and um, social media of the city of Sterot, the municipality says, stay in your house. Now there's some very complicated situations going on. Um, maybe about seven or eight hours into everything, we start to see soldiers in large numbers. And now we could rest assured that they're our side and not the other side patrolling their weapons drawn like this uh, for suspected infiltrations. Um, but it was a very, very intense day. Um. Their town has now been evacuated because of the damage and uncertainty over the possibility of future attacks. Their town lies close to the border of Gaza. Nobody stayed in the road. Everybody left because the situation is really, really bad. It's really bad. The experience has given them a better perspective on what Israelis face from Hamas and other terrorist groups. These are people that have made it very clear, and I'm, I'm not exaggerating when I say they would like another Holocaust against Jews. They would have killed more Jews than the 1,300 they killed in one day on Saturday and just understand our struggle, support us, let us uh, take care of this threat as you would if you had the same problem on your borders or in your communities. Every house in Israel has a safe room. That is just something that we have to wrap our minds around here in America. And it's terrorists that try to break the will of the people. That's what they do through terror. That's, yeah, that's a very good point. And with an, we keep an eye on the time. So let's start our second part of the broadcast right now. As airstrikes and the siege of Gaza continue, Israeli tanks and troops are massing near the border. Anticipation of an offensive builds as Israel issues a 24-hour evacuation order. Why did it take several hours to rescue people attending the music festival attacked by Hamas terrorists? And why was there such an intelligence failure on Israel's side surrounding the attack? We hear some analysis from a retired colonel and experienced security professional. The Hamas terrorist group has declared today as a day of global general mobilization. Nations around the world are tightening up their security. To all of you just joining us, good morning. I'm Kevin Hogan. Good morning also for me, I'm Evelyn Lee, and let's get into our top stories right now, starting with the latest update in the Israel-Hamas war. U.S. Defense Secretary Lloyd Austin just finished a news conference with Israel's Minister of Defense Yoav Gallant. He's set to meet with Prime Minister Benjamin Netanyahu and the Israeli War Cabinet next. Austin underscored the United States' unwavering support for Israel, along with its commitment to making sure the country has what it needs to defend itself. Here's Austin. Has just witnessed a great evil. The deadliest attack on civilians in the history of the state of Israel and the bloodiest day in Jewish history since the end of the Holocaust. So make no mistake, the United States will make sure that Israel has what it needs to defend itself. And Israel has a right to protect its people. You know, and there are many phone calls this week. President Biden has told Prime Minister Netanyahu that the United States would also respond swiftly and decisively to such a ma massive terrorist assault. And the president also underscored that democracies like ours are stronger and more secure when we uphold the laws of war. 
Terrorists like Hamas deliberately target civilians. But democracies don't. This is a time for resolve and not revenge, for purpose and not panic, and for security and not surrender. At President Biden's direction, we have moved urgently to respond to this crisis and to send, to send a strong message of deterrence. The USS Gerald R. Ford Carrier Strike Group is now in the region, led by the largest aircraft carrier in the world. We've augmented U.S. fighter aircraft squadrons in the Middle East, and the U.S. Department of Defense stands fully ready to deploy additional assets if necessary. President Biden has said, for any country, for any group, or anyone thinking about trying to take advantage of this atrocity, to try to widen the conflict or to spill more blood, we have just one word, don't. The world is watching, and so are we, and we aren't going anywhere. But first, Israel's military has directed residents in Gaza City to evacuate to southern Gaza by Saturday. United Nations officials in Gaza say Israel's military informed them late last night, just before midnight local time. The Hamas terrorist media office reacted by urging citizens to ignore the relocation warning, labeling it false propaganda. As Israeli airstrikes and its siege of Gaza continue, 300,000 Israeli troops are preparing near the border for a potential ground assault. And today's Jeremy Sandberg has more on Israel's 24-hour warning and the response to it. Gaza City. Israel Defense Forces spokesperson Jonathan Kanrika's Friday morning said the IDF is taking humanitarian steps to minimize civilian casualties as the war unfolds. Civilians of Gaza City, evacuate south for your own safety and the safety of your families and distance yourself from Hamas terrorists who are using you as human shields. The message sent in Arabic to the local population in Gaza City set a deadline for Saturday. Conrica says significant combat operations there are ongoing. And we are preparing for future and the continuance of our combat operations and out of an understanding that there are civilians here whom are not our enemy and we do not want to target them. We are asking them to evacuate so that we will be able to continue to strike military targets belonging to Hamas in the Gaza Strip. Gaza's Hamas terrorist rulers responded to the relocation warning by calling on Palestinians to remain in their homes and stand firm. They labeled the evacuation notice as an attempt to broadcast fake propaganda aimed at sowing confusion and harming internal cohesion. United Nations Secretary General Spokesperson Stefan Dujaric responded to Israel's warning, asking them to cancel it. He said in his statement the UN considers it impossible for such a movement to take place without devastating humanitarian consequences and that it could transform what is already a tragedy into a calamitous situation. Dujaric noted 1.1 million Palestinians, nearly half of Gaza's population would be affected, and that includes UN staff and those sheltered in UN schools, health centers and clinics. Israel's UN ambassador, Gilad Erdan, rebuked the UN response, calling it shameful and a disgrace. He says the UN has turned a blind eye to the arming of Hamas and its use of civilian populations and infrastructure, and that it would be better for the UN to focus on returning hostages, condemning Hamas, and supporting Israel's right to defend itself. 
Jeremy Sandberg, NTD News. Now we're going to examine the supposed delayed rescue response and intelligence failure surrounding the Hamas attacks. Here with us live is John Mills, a retired colonel and a senior fellow with the Center for Security Policy. John, good morning. It is great to have you with us. Good morning, Kevin. Thank you. So why did it take so long for forces to come in and rescue the people at the Supernova Festival? I mean, some were hiding for seven hours. Well, I think we have to look at the the situation. It was radically different than any other situation Israel has faced. Uh, Yes, for decades they faced rockets across the border, uh, starting at 6.30, uh, approximately a.m. local time on Saturday. It was the largest barrage ever uh, across the border, the most amount of rockets in the shortest amount of time ever. and, And the standard operating procedure was everybody shelter in place. Never has that been combined or been the covering fire for a ground assault through at least 15 breakpoints. So there's at least 15 assault points that they pre-breached, pre-prepared, and came across the border uh, within two hours. That was different. That's never happened before. So you had hundreds, thousands on foot, on motorcycles, in vehicles, uh, come across like in Sterot, a four-minute jog uh, and you're inside a Starat. Uh, so they overwhelmed, surprised, uh, and even at Rayim at the festival, that's that's the, also the location of the Israeli command post for the entire sector. They assaulted the command post directly and jammed signals. This was very sophisticated, planned, and rehearsed. Yeah, this type of well-coordinated attack can be very hard to respond to. Some say that the Israeli intelligence ignored warnings about this attack. Is that true? And if so, why would this happen? Well, I I don't know for sure. Uh, However, I can assure people that actually I've been in the room uh, with Israelis and uh, Egyptian Saudis that they work very well together. So there's been this report that Egypt uh, gave a gave a uh, gave a warning. That is possible. That is possible. Was it ignored? That's possible, too. I think one of the key questions for American intelligence is on the intelligence priority stack, the House and the Senate should immediately demand to know what what was the U.S. intelligence priority stack as of last Thursday or the Thursday before the attack, and was all things Israel and Hamas above the cut line or below the cut line for collection and analysis and actioning? Interesting perspective that you raised there. The National Security Advisor in Israel between 2011 and 2013 said that they made a huge mistake, that they believed a terror organization can change its DNA. So some say Israel had the wrong understanding of Hamas all over and it taking it to be responsible and, and therefore it let its guard down. So can the nature of a terrorist organization change? Well, I, I think in some ways, some were thinking this was an IRA situation in Ireland, that uh, uh, the, the troubles and the conflict was coming to an end. So that is one, I, I think possibly that might have been part of the calculus was that there was a sense, but Hamas is a terror, a designated terrorist group. They clearly spent the last year what we call operational security and going low tech, staying off the internet, staying off the phone, doing all the caching of arms and ammunition and planning, very face-to-face, verbally, not over the phone, not on the internet. And so it looks like they very effectively uh, uh, hid what their true agenda. And I think some were thinking maybe this is an IRA situation where it was time for negotiations, but uh, uh, that's not, not the case. 
Yeah, and supposedly Israel believed that its economic incentives and also wetting the impact of the threat of military support had, had Israel had made Hamas lose its appetite for this type of attack. But how would a ground war be different from past incursions here? This is going to be Fallujah on steroids. It's going to be bloody and messy. So the, 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 the Israelis have to be very careful and deliberate. Now, I thought it was very, this is very important. They gave an evacuation guidance, and we have to always distinguish between the Palestinians and Hamas, two different groups. Hamas is a bloody terrorist group. The Pal many Palestinians live under the bondage of this, this thuggish rule in the Gaza Strip. The Israelis are asking the civil population to move south, especially. There are open fields, open areas. Grab your tent and get out. Uh, and I think the UN very unwisely countermanded that because the, the Hamas is going to use the civilian population as human shields. And I think they have to be very careful about this. We've already moved, the Department of Defense has moved uh, what we call our tier one counterterrorist, uh, the layperson uh, Delta Force SEAL Team 6, because there are several dozen Americans. But this has to be very deliberate. This is a heavily tunneled, fortified area. And they're going to use civilians as uh, as body shields. Yeah, and we've seen that the U.S. Special Forces are preparing in Europe for this. So, retired U.S. Army Colonel and Senior Fellow at the Center for Security Policy, John Mills, thank you for your time. Thank you, Kevin. A new report says the U.S. must be ready to fight multiple wars at the same time. A bipartisan congressional panel is studying national security strategy. The report from the Strategic Posture Commission yesterday said the U.S. must prepare for possible simultaneous wars with Russia and China. It said the U.S. should expand its conventional forces, strengthen alliances, and modernize its nuclear weapons program. The panel also calls for deploying more nuclear weapons in Asia and Europe and producing more stealth bombers and nuclear submarines. Current U.S. national security strategy calls for winning one conflict while deterring another. The new proposal would require huge defense spending increases, and it's uncertain whether Congress will support it. Yeah, when you talk about multi-wars, you have a war in Ukraine that is taking some American resources there, and now a war in Israel, which is also going to probably cause the House to send some aid there, presumably. And then there's people that are looking at China that in case they think that U.S. is stretched too thin, they might go and um, take a move, uh, make a move on Taiwan. Right. So you have to keep a close eye on those yeah. things. Stay with us. We're moving into break. The search for the next House Speaker has hit a roadblock with the GOP nominee dropping out. Hear what House Majority Leader Steve Scalise had to say about what's next for the Republican Party. The Hamas terrorist group has declared today as a day of global mobilization. Nations around the world have tightened up their security. More on that when we come back. Good to have you back. This search for the next House Speaker has taken a detour with House Majority Leader Steve Scalise dropping out as a candidate yesterday, this just one day after defeating Congressman Jim Jordan for the GOP nomination. Scalise met with GOP conference members yesterday in an effort to gain support and address lingering concerns. Jordan has encouraged his supporters to back Scalise, but a number vowed to carry the fight to the House floor. Here's Scalise yesterday. Our conference still has to come together 
and is not there. Uh, there are still some people that have their own agendas. And I was very clear, we have to have everybody put their agendas on the side and focus on what this country needs. This country is counting on us to come back together. And it's much bigger than me, and it's much bigger than anybody else. And nobody's going to use me as an excuse to hold back our ability to get the House opened again. We still need to get a speaker. And I'm going to continue to push as hard as we can to make that happen as quickly as it has to happen. But it wasn't going to happen. Representative Ralph Norman says Scalise's decision did not surprise him based on the number of hard no's. He says the next best candidate would be Jordan. The House has been without a leader for over a week. The GOP conference resumes today at 10 a.m. The Hamas terrorist group has declared that today is a day of general mobilization and called for a global jihad to support Palestine. A former leader of Hamas delivered the message in a recorded statement to Reuters earlier this week. The message from Khalid Mashal called for action from the Arab and Islamic world as well as worldwide. He called today the moment to join in the fight with Palestine and called on supporters to deliver a message of anger. Mashal emphasized that countries bordering Israel have a more significant duty because they are closer to Palestine. Robert Greenway of the Heritage Foundation said, It is an unambiguous global call to arms. It will be heated. There will be blood. Amid that call for mobilization, major cities, including New York, are ramping up security measures today. This comes as protests are planned over the Israel-Hamas war. New York authorities on Thursday addressed concerns over public safety as pro-Israel and pro-Palestinian protesters stage rallies. They say they are aware of social media posts by radical groups calling for, quote, a day of global rage on Friday in support of the Palestinian cause. We want to be clear that there are currently no credible or specific threats against our city, but we must remain vigilant. We have directed the NYPD to deploy additional resources to our schools and houses of worship to ensure that New Yorkers are safe. The NYPD is also stepping up patrols in key neighborhoods. On the state level, Governor Kathy Hochul said they fully activated New York State Police, among other agencies. We have the resources of the New York National Guard and our Joint Task Force Empire Shield ready to be activated. The National Guard is already directed to patrol key transportation hubs. We've been in contact with the MTA, the Port Authority, to ensure that they also have heightened their security measures. Our hate crime task force is on high alert and will help investigate disturbing incidents as necessary. In Washington, D.C., Capitol Police and the Senate Sergeant-at-Arms are also ramping up security in preparation for the so-called Global Day of Rage. They say they are deploying additional officers to the Capitol, and parts of the Capitol will be accessible only to members of Congress, staff, and authorized visitors. And in Los Angeles, police also say they are unaware of any specific threats, but will increase police presence in Jewish and Muslim communities. Well, with that said, please stay safe out there, everyone. Yes, and stay alert. Uh, with that, we have to wrap up our show today. We'll keep you updated with the latest information on the war. Stay tuned for our News Today broadcast at 12 p.m. Eastern Time. Thanks for watching. I'm Evelyn Lee. And I'm Kevin Hogan.